Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for January 5th, 2020. We're officially Yikes. there. Wow. Uh, by the time this is released, uh, uh, you are in your waning moments. You could be in your waning moments of 2019, but uh, uh, let's away. just let's just call it up. It's done. It's, it, it's done. We are uh, coming. Lighten up here. <laughs> We are coming to you not live from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana, and uh, very happy to be with you today. So mm-hmm. uh, this is, like I said, our, our first podcast of uh, of 2020 uh, with with semi officialness. I mean, it's for the first yeah. uh, the first Sunday in 2020. And, but and how official do we have to be? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and if you're a, a regular listener to the podcast, you know we're already we've been in the new year. <laughs> liturgically That's speaking right. for a while. So Very this is old news to, to us yeah. churchgoers. Yeah. What is what's the champagne? What's the calendar year? Anyways, I mean you know, who cares? Dip's got fuzz on it. Yeah. New Year's yeah. is long ago. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh so we're we're like I said, we're very happy that you uh, chose to join us uh today. Let's um uh, let's hop into our word of the day <clears throat> and or stump the priest uh uh-huh. section, however you want to call it. And uh, I'm not entirely sure this will stump you, but and and uh, uh, just to say ahead of time, as soon as I say this word, it's not what you think, <laughs> <laughs> but it is on the EpiscopalChurch.org uh, uh, library dictionary uh, website. Okay. Uh, so your word, Bruce, should you choose to define it, is STD. I had to. I had to choose. You had it. To. I had to choose it when I was cycling through. I was like, "Oh, there's so many good ones in the S's, but I'm doing this one first because I'm not going to pass on it." Man enough for my own heart, Bruce. Uh, tell us what an STD is. <laughs> well, when that, no, <laughs> I won't even start to go there. Um, Listeners at home are like, "Really? That's yeah. on the." Why would the church define such a I thing? I was going to say that that website is about to crash <laughs> as all five listeners check it at once. Right? I am drawing a blank in part because of what everything else is flooding in. It is a sacred theology doctorate. Oh, duh! <laughs> Uh, it's a degree uh, that, that presupposes a first theological degree and is to equip persons for teaching and research in theological seminaries, colleges, and universities. Congratulations to all of you who have STDs out there. <laughs> in the uh, school church, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, if, anyone know, if anyone out there listening to this knows me, you can I easily sh- understand why I did not pass that one up. I, I sh- and I should have asked for a hint because I w- then... Could have gotten my mind back I can't, on track. I can't hint you about uh, what STD stands for. Um, so <laughs> the whole point of choosing it was to watch you flounder. <laughs> Your New Year's resolution has been fulfilled. That's right. I'm, 2020 is already a win for me, folks. I can shut it down at the, any point now. Uh, I am happy as a clam. So, uh, so yeah, there, there you go. Uh, mm-hmm. a, 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 a sacred theology uh, deg- uh, degree or uh, doctorate, which you can uh, actually, I guess technically it is a doctorate degree uh, because it is built on top of. Uh, yeah. So, so it's yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. yeah. So you you, you basically too. have to write a book to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so uh, so 
there, there, I'm sure there are, are a few uh, handful of people out there who do have a, a sacred theology uh, um, uh, doctorate. I'd be interested mm-hmm. to know. Um, um, quite a few. Yeah, well, not not quite a few, but yes, uh, they're they're not unique, and as they're unique. Yes, the individuals are unique. I don't have <laughs> a sacred theology doctorate, but yes, many of our seminary professors have a doctorate either with that title or one very similar to it gotcha so uh uh, um is is from from then uh your experience is that is that basically another word for what you get uh uh, going through through seminary or is that a very special that's a specialized right it's it's technically a that's not a doctorate so so episcopal clergy cannot be called doctor um, it says the doctor of sacred theology. Yes, degree. that's not what a, a priest needs. Oh, okay, that's what a seminary professor needs. Oh, okay. So this is set for seminary yep. professors specifically. Yeah, there you or go. or someone who just wants to get that higher degree and yeah. might use it completely differently than we're saying. But you know, priests typically have a master's of divinity. Okay, and that is uh, by academic standards what's called a pre-professional degree. Which okay. means that it's not as academically rigorous as an academic master's degree. So if you're planning on getting a PhD, most of the time, depending on what school you're going to apply to, you really need a master's of theology rather than a master's of divinity. Gotcha. A master's of theology, you would have done a master's thesis and more advanced academic work than us dumb priests have to do. <laughs> I would not. I would not label label your lot as dumb. Uh, uh, certainly more learned than I am in 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 a number of different subjects. Uh, but uh, but uh, but it is obviously very specialized. Yeah. So uh, and I guess I could see where a master of divinity would fit into um, an overall theological master's. It's a subsection. Really? Yeah, yeah. it is because we we also with the MDiv have coursework in preaching and in pastoral care and other mm-hmm. things that uh, the academic theology degree doesn't have. Very good. So, yeah, so there's your, there's your, uh, there, there's your word of the day fitting into the... Which is not a word. Which is not really a word. <laughs> They're your initials for yes. the day. <laughs> yep. And, uh, but, and fitting into... See, oh, monsters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Just had to flash yep. it there. Uh, yeah. Hey, when you, when you, when you got it, flaunt it, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, you've blown it earlier, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, a, a sneak peek into the in, into the, uh, the the higher education system for for mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, not just pre uh, priests could church, have but... have that, but uh, but also people just to to teach those those sessions. Those, yeah, those and courses. and various denominations have different requirements for the academic training of both their clergy and their seminary <laughs> professors. Very good. Well, let's uh, let's then switch gears and head over to Jeremiah. That's our Old Testament mm-hmm. reading for the day. Jeremiah 31, 7 through 14. It reads this way. Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, Save, O Lord, your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I am going to bring from, bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. Among them the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor, together. A great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with consolations I will lead them back. I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. 
For I have become a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, He who scattered Israel will gather him, and will keep him as a shepherd a flock, as a shepherd a flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob, and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion. They shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall become like a watered garden, and they shall never languish again. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will give the priests their fill of fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my bounty, says the Lord. Um, so th this seems as though this, this is a Jeremiah reading that takes place when Israel is in its conquered state, or portion, a good, good, mm -hmm. at least a good portion of it is. Yeah. Um, the Babylonian exile. Yeah, the Babylonian exile, talking about uh, God saying, hey, I'm, you know. This isn't going to last. Right. It's not going to last. I'm going to bring you back from, you know, the northern lands. Uh, I find it interesting that there's a reference to the remnant of Israel. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I'm... The, I'm curious, is that it, would that be referring to the people who remained in the land and unconquered, or is that... Um... No, it, it is that during the time of exile, um, the whole process, like most enslaved peoples, they suffered greatly and died easily. Mm -hmm. So Israel was not nearly what it was in terms of its population. And, and so the folks that were enslaved were called the remnant. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, Ephraim, uh, who is, who is Ephraim? Is that one of the, is, is that a, a Jewish king? Is that, uh, is that like a noble heritage or? Yeah, it's part of the noble heritage. And, um, and it's playing in, this is a piece of poetry. So again, sure. we yeah. have, in Hebrew poetry, repetition being uh, poetic. Mm -hmm. And so saying, I've become a father to Israel and Ephraim is my firstborn. Really, it's making Ephraim and Israel an equivalency mm -hmm. and to make it poetic and beautiful and easily sung and people going, oh, it's poetry. How beautiful and meaningful. Okay. So okay. it's making extra meaningful uh, the, that the people will have this tight, tight relationship with God. I find it interesting that the in the poem, the the um, gathering together of the remnant, bringing them home, um, init, it does at least recognize, I'm trying to see if later, um, they, okay, so he does get into uh, later talking about uh, rejoicing and, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, when they get there, but but it starts off uh, uh, kind of recognizing, like, look, and I know when you gather, you're going to be weeping, right? And with consolations, I will lead them back. This is not going to be easy. You're not going to be rejoicing on the way back. You will rejoice when you get here, right? Um, you'll be sad, and I'm and I'm wondering if that's um, if 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 that's because they're being uprooted again like is is this a recognition of like what's about when you come back home 
it will also it'll still be difficult because even though you've been captured or living in semi captivity or however that uh, that existed, um, that's still your existence that you know, and so you'll be giving that up and leaving and or or perhaps, but it's. I mean, wouldn't that be happy to be coming home? Why is there weeping and constellations? Because they're not Americans, <laughs> and in the American culture. As soon as something's going good, we're supposed to no longer be sad at all. Mm -hmm. and whereas this is a recognition, recognition that the way human emotions work is that even as something good is happening, you'll still have a memory of the bad things that happened. And for instance, in this case, you'll be mourning for your children, your cousins, your friends who did not live to come back. Mm and those lost along the way and, yeah that were, were killed by the babylonian slavery experience um and so it's the recognition of the human condition that often when there's a time of uh great joy and things have really turned around we shouldn't try to forget or disregard the grief that we that we had been suffering Moments before, days before, even years before. Mm -hmm. It's all of a piece. We are who we are. Our experiences are part of who we are, How what what makes us up, the experiences and memories. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then um, what else about this passage? I mean, as you pointed out, it's a poem. I, I do like that there's a, a, a passing reference there at the very end about priests are going to get fat. <laughs> It's inevitable. <laughs> and I thought it was from too many potluck suppers. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, I, anything, anything else? It, w is there anything in this poem that has like a, a special meaning that would uh, perhaps be lost on us since we weren't the initial intended target of the, uh, of the yeah. poem? And that's, yeah. Ephraim is the hill country north of, uh, what then was the kingdom of Israel. So there's this equivalency of the, the people of the land coming back, of the Jewish people coming back. And then in the second half of the reading, which technically is a separate poem, mm -hmm. it begins with a hear the word of... Yeah, hear the word, word of the nations. Lord, O nations. Yeah. This is when they've gotten back. Okay. And so the first part is... You will get you back. will get back, and then once that happens, here's your here's yeah. the, here's the poem you will here's the the song you will sing when you you return. Yeah, and it has many references that may we not may we may not catch of worship in the temple. Okay, like because the like, the priests will only get their fill of fatness if they're able to once again sacrifice the oxen and things like that. Okay, because the priests got to keep some of the steaks after the animal was barbecued. Yeah, waste not. Yeah, sure, I get it. Um, and all the dancing Conse and rejoicing. Consecrated steaks. The steaks, I like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> Take uh, that, Omaha. The, <laughs> we have consecrated steaks. Um, where it's in verse twelve, over the grain, the wine, the oil, mm -hmm. the young of the flock. Those are all sacrificial right. items. Okay, that that people would offer to God in Thanksgiving. Okay, so it it is, in a sense, an image of. The Thanksgiving holiday that will go on and on and on. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, certainly, certainly uh, uh, indications that they'll, they'll they'll be happy. They should come home and sing aloud on the height of Zion, be radiant. Um, their life shall be, become like a watered garden, and they shall never languish again. Um, and again, it's a you know the the area of Israel in the Middle East uh, is arid for mm -hmm. the most part. Mm -hmm. And so a watered garden is a powerful image yeah. of beauty and provision and life is good. What strikes me about that, uh, that specific part though, and they will shall never languish again is most of the texts of the old Testament are telling the tale of, Hey, this comes in cycles. Yeah. It ebbs and flows. So a poem that tells me I'm never going to languish again, that would be like my first, that would be like, I heard this before. Right. <laughs> Didn't, yeah. Isn't that what we said last time before the Babylonians? Right. And you're oh, after this, you know, once once this happens, we'll be back together and <laughs> prosperous forever and never again shall it happen. Oh, crap, it happens again. <laughs> Here we go again. Uh, yeah, and you're right in that because at the, I mean, to this day, the destruction the Romans brought um, <clears throat> shortly after the birth of Christ that destruction is still exists. The temple has never been restored uh -huh. for over 2000 years now. So yeah, it's coming again, even though it says it's not. <laughs> gotcha. Anything else uh, about well, Jeremiah? That's probably enough for today. Very good. Uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse three through six. And then we skip a little, we do a yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and then uh, 15 through 19 a, <clears throat> you already know one of the questions will be why, what did we skip and yeah. why? So uh, be on the lookout for that question. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed us uh, on us in the Beloved. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe um <clears throat> ephesians is a letter to ephesus mm -hmm. the church in ephesus by paul right mm -mm. no <laughs> 50 50 chance oh it's more than a 50 50 <laughs> chance i mean it's a, it seems like it's almost a foregone conclusion uh so not paul right it it Certainly, is someone written by someone who's very familiar and in agreement with feel like right, Paul. with Paul's theology and writing style. Okay, but it has very, lots of marks of being written um, in the decades following Paul's death. Okay, um, do we have an idea as to the author, no. or is it? No, idea. and this is not one of the situations where it's like I, Paul, as a ghostwriter for Paul. Uh, kind of, kind of a deal. They, they don't, they don't yeah, pretend actually, to be Paul. No, oh, if you look at verse one, Paul, I, Paul. Oh no, I'm sorry, that's a one. <laughs> Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in 
Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so they so are. That's how it starts. They are. They are mirroring Paul. They are very much so, um, and it, it's almost word for word the same as the opening in other letters that we know are by Paul. Okay, so they're they're plagiarism. <laughs> they're so carefully, rampant. <laughs> carefully honoring the the Pauline tradition. Their their English uh, English teachers would not be happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> it would not be allowed. They'd have to do yes. their own work. I, I, if you're going to use that phrase, I need you to reference it. <laughs> and give it proper reference. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. But we don't know. Uh, we don't We don't know who, who would have written it, but we do no. have a feeling that it was written after Paul's death um, and... Uh, um, Still to the church in Ephesus. Uh, and do we have any ideas of whether or not Paul ever did um, write to Ephesus or visit Ephesus? There were some places he visited and some places he just wrote to. And is this any indication that this is kind of like a circle back? Uh, uh, to tell you the truth, I don't remember off the top of my head. Shame. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> well, and especially because this is, um, frankly, a lot of people's favorite letter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because it yeah, is a, a little of... more modern and mm-hmm. <clears throat> takes into and, and t- is beginning to form and express theology that is more familiar to us today mm-hmm. o- overall. Not particularly the passage we have this morning, but um, the way in which Christ's um, coming again is treated much more like we do today rather than in Paul's genuine letters where it's, it's going to happen tomorrow. Mm. type of mm-hmm. viewpoint uh what do we skip here verses 7 through 14 what was the just more of the same it really was a yada 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 yeah um probably which does mirror paul's style like, <laughs> right rule of three kind of writing like let me say it three different ways sometimes five yeah. and, <laughs> and that is what this is um it's fascinating to scholars because it probably reflects a, a piece of, uh, at least a piece, maybe it's the, the whole of a prayer or creedal statement from an early Christian congregation, mm. pre- presumably somewhere in the Ephesus neighborhood. Um, but again, it's not that different from what we currently, if at all, different from what we would currently believe and what is expressed in the part of the reading we do have today. Mm, okay. So instead of yada, 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 it would be ditto, ditto, ditto. <laughs> And likewise, and likewise, mm-hmm. and likewise. Um, any, I'm trying to look through here. I don't see anything that, that stands out to me like, uh, oh, does this mean... Um, it seems fairly straightforward. It doesn't seem to have... Uh, unlike a lot of the Old... Te- I feel like a lot of the Old Testament readings, a lot of these New Testament uh, letters to churches are often very straightforward and not steeped in as much uh, um, poetic imagery... Uh, as as uh, like I said, Old Testament readings they're 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 often very instructional and and uh, fairly straightforward, or at least in my reading, is there it, is there something fairly here? straightforward? But part I think one of the reasons it, it strikes you that way is the theology is so familiar to a contemporary Christian. Mm-hmm. It, it it's not like what at any right. moment, um, but what so it makes it striking in terms of its contrast with the Pauline letters. And one of the places where it's not in, in disagreement, but is certainly more developed than in the Paul letter, Pauline letters, 
is the concept of um, the saints loving each other mm. that you may remember in a lot of the Paul letters like Corinthians, re the reason Paul is writing to them is that the saints aren't loving each other. <laughs> right. That's true. And yeah. this one instead is, Oh, you're, you guys are, are doing it, man. You're loving each other. You're being examples to the world out of way. Whereas Paul would have been, you're almost there, but <laughs> there's always room for improvement. And... Or then he usually go into a list of so-and-so is not sharing the food. So-and-so is slandering. So that, <laughs> yeah, he's very specific usually as to their, how they're falling short uh -huh. and calling them to account. Whereas Ephesians is a little more feel good. Yeah. With, okay. Without much of the, um, uh, man, you guys are screwing up. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are the eyes of your heart? <laughs> and with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Well, it's a poetic term. Okay. Um, it's not a technical one. And well, I, it's I, 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 I'm no, you know, scholar of, uh, <laughs> you know, anatomy, but I, I, I'm pretty familiar with there not being hearts with eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so it, it's, it, it's a strong image. And of course, then very strongly and to a lesser degree now, the heart was seen as the essence of someone, not just the emotional essence, mm -hmm. but the everything essence, the, um, where the, the spirit was strongest. Gotcha. And, where the Holy Spirit resides in you and, and your own spirit resides mm. in communion with the Holy Spirit. So to look at the world with the eyes of your heart would be looking at the world. If, if you're letting God be your guide, you would be able to then see the world with God's eyes with the human limitations, of course. Sure. I like that. Um, but unfortunately the phrase has been more romanticized. I think more recently, you're more likely to see it in a Valentine than mm. in a, um, creedal statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, I think it's also uh, worth pointing out uh, in the second half of the the reading there. The the word saints is, and we've said this before, but saints is is not capitalized. It's it's lowercase. So mm -hmm. that is reference to every everyone, everyone, everyone in the Christian community. Uh, not not a specific group. Not those that go to the church in Ephesus. It's well, it would be would it would it be all it would the, be those in the community of faith. So okay. it, it wouldn't be the, the folks that are not at all interested in the Judeo-Christian faith okay. or traditions um, or beliefs. Um, so it is a, basically a way of saying members of the congregation okay. to really simple, oversimplify it quite a bit. Gotcha. All right. Um, unless there's something more from you, I'll move yeah. to Matthew. Let's do it. Matthew, what do we choose here? Chapter 2, two. verse 13 through 15 and 19 through 23? That's correct. Okay. After the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, 
Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are seeking the light, child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus uh, was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. Um, so this is... Uh, uh, the way this reads is uh, is kind of like a, 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 a um, classic. Uh, um, <laughs> this is uh, yeah, I, I I got a dream and it said get up and go here and do this. And mm -hmm. So I got up and I went here and I did this. And I had another dream that said no 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 now you want to get up and go here and you, you, you know, relocate yeah. over here. Um, although and, and and it has one of those classic storytelling rule of three, uh, but the third dream or vision. Um, uh, doesn't get quite the same treatment. And uh, he was warned in a dream, don't do that. And then go here instead. Um, uh, and then so that's when he went to Galilee. But uh, I guess I want to know the prophecy that says that the Messiah, the 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 Son of God, or the Child of God, would be. A he will be called a Nazarene. Where does that come from? I don't recall that being a specific prophet. Nowhere. Okay. <laughs> I'm not crazy. So you get a, a Bible badge today. All right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's no STD, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> ba -dum -bum. Ba -dum -bum. I have been waiting all morning for that. I, I was... <laughs> I was absolutely waiting for the appropriate time. Uh, yeah, it's it's one that uh, that that if you'd only read the New Testament, you would think, oh, well, it's got to be somewhere, and I just don't know where. So Matthew's lying to us. Well, slimy little. No, <laughs> we'll presume that there was an oral tradition, uh, and maybe even a written tradition that we've never haven't found a scroll for. Okay. That that had some kind of oracle about Naz, uh, Nazarene because that was a, a sect within the Jewish life um, who was um, someone who vowed to abstain from wine and cutting his hair. We don't have any record of Jesus doing either one of those things. I was going to say. No, and yeah, no, no, not no. entirely. Not, I, I don't believe that there's a haircutting scene in no. the Gospels, but uh, there's not a express reference that right. he didn't that either. we'd expect and to see. We know the wine story, so uh, mm -hmm. although I guess does it? I guess does the story say that he partook? No, I guess it doesn't. And so, people who thoroughly believe in temperance from alcohol mm -hmm. uh, don't have to do any explaining about that one. There you go. Uh, but yeah, it's you can it, make it all you want. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's one of these things that we actually see very clearly in some of Paul's letters, where he'll say somewhere it says, and then he'll paraphrase a passage from the Hebrew Scriptures, mm -hmm. and that we can then say, oh, he meant this one. But there wasn't the an expectation of academic rigor mm -hmm. that Paul would say, hold on, let me unroll the scroll, find chapter and verse, which they, yeah. And which is a whole other issue, um, so I can quote this accurately. You're right. It's instead we all know there are these important passages about what we're looking for in our next 
fantastic leader, yada, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And so Matthew uh, has five, and this is the fifth, and this is the only one we don't know where it comes from. The rest mm-hmm. are easy to, easy to find where they're cited. Is it uh, is it possible um, that I mean one one of the prophecies was that there was going to come from the line of David. Mm-hmm. Was it possible that just th- that that simply that line had been regionalized? It could and, be, and that the house of David lived there, so therefore uh, that prophecy would be one and the same. Of that, if he's from the line of David, well, then of course he's a Nazarene. But I guess Nazareth is it's not like it's like a giant swath of land right it's a small village small little village yeah. so um i'm not entirely sure that that would hold water but i suppose but that that is a possibility hmm. yeah um i don't think it's a cornerstone of our faith so yeah, yeah i don't know if it's worth super matters over. i just uh i, I, I don't, yeah. i'm not i'm not comfortable with the idea of matthew creating a prophecy out of uh, thin oh, no. air i don't think he created it. i think it was a no, i'm important skeptical part. <laughs> <laughs> i think it was an important part of of his community's tradition mm-hmm. and so he carefully wrote it yeah down. i feel that's fair because yeah he, yeah he clearly makes mention of it uh, uh probably on purpose uh, um, well yeah i mean that they, he, he very... draws your attention to it uh, otherwise it would be quite unnecessarily if yeah. he he gave it a whole sentence <laughs> yeah and they're not that many sentences right uh, so <laughs> well it's a it's it's a stitch in his story right so he's like he this this is one of the ones where he goes that's why it's important yeah, you know, yeah. and, and pulls together. the thread and, and, yeah. and, and tightens that up. Uh, so for somewhere, someone thought must have thought that, that was well. And part of the way that Matthew sees Jesus is through prophecy. And in the Gospel of Luke, Luke's comfortable with that's where Mary and Joseph live. So that's where Jesus is from. Right. Whereas for Matthew, it's it's so important. That as many features of Jesus's life be tied to a prophecy from the Hebrew Scriptures, mm-hmm. you know, he would have really racked his brain, and his community would have really racked their collective brain to f- figure out what this was fulfilling. And I wonder if that's a, a, a if that's one of the forks in the road for uh, um, humanity, maybe even as a whole. Um, we've we've kind of collectively gone away from prophecies. Like that's the, like well, the we, Episcopal we, tradition. We well, I mean, just I mean, humanity in general. There's not so much that that's not too prominent. In, well, you in don't a, follow cults like I do. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> but uh, but you know, it, it, it we're we're skeptical of of, of prophecies at, at, at these days, and it's, it's kind of one of those things that um, um, I, I would think modern science would kind of point towards. Like, but that's kind of the human brain looking for patterns. Yeah, like that, that it get, kind of gets yeah. explained away. And and so maybe Luke is just representing that that portion of people Matthew, who are like, yeah. the, well, no, I'm saying you oh, said Luke was not so much concerned, concerned with, with the prophecy. prophecy. Yeah. So so that maybe that's a the beginning of you know like it, it, that part doesn't matter. You oh, know, okay. It it fitting this prophetic nature like we've had prophecies before in the past that have well, just actually, not been quite right or not you know. Matthew is Matthew is concerned about the prophecies that point towards the next great leader of the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Luke is concerned with prophecy, but he's concerned about the prophecies that point towards the the one who will bring justice and peace. Okay. Uh, which isn't necessarily from a leadership position. The 
apart from Isaiah, that is a big chunk of what is referred to in Luke over and over is often referred to as the suffering servant passages. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so it's each find, each of those find prophecy very important. They're just pulling different meanings about Jesus's identity from the prophecies they choose to connect with Jesus. Hmm. Um, the other thing I w wanted to mention was, I think, I think our general understanding of the um, Christ story, how it begins, uh, talking about uh, where Jesus was born. And then and I think most of us know that, you know, fleeing to Egypt, like we have a concept there. Um, it's not really spoken about here, uh, but the way that this is written, one would believe that this was fairly quick. Hmm. I'm not entirely, that's not really historically accurate. Is that, is that correct? Did, wasn't it a, a matter of years that they, uh, that they were no one knows displaced? Uh, because the way it reads was like, oh, you know, this had happened and they fleed, fleed to Egypt until Herod died. And then he was dead. Yeah. And, okay, now you can come back. But it, it probably was not so much like like that. Uh, there were probably a, a, a significant period of time here. It could be, but we aren't sure. Do we not know when Herod died? Well, we know when Herod died, but we don't know when Jesus' birth took place in relation to that event. Mm, mm -hmm. um, okay. And, and it's one that both um, astronomers and theologians and, and also historians and archaeologists all um, work on. Mm -hmm. But there, we don't have a firm year date, let alone calendar date, for when Jesus was born. Gotcha. And there's no um, record outside of the Gospel of Matthew of Mary and Joseph's and Jesus's trip to Egypt that we have found yet. Maybe we will someday. Hmm. But so at this point, it's just one of those unknowns. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, anything else? Anything interesting about the couple of verses that we skipped? Well, yeah. <laughs> of course you would say that. Yeah. Nope, it, boring, it, irrelevant, cut yeah, it out. <laughs> it's um, what in, uh, the church tradition is called the Massacre of the Innocents, of when Herod heard from the wise men, from the Magi, tech is a better term, about when the they detected the sign in the sky that the newborn king had been born, Herod wanted to eliminate any possible rival and so ordered the killing of all children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under. Hmm. And uh, so we skip that because it has its own feast day. Okay. But that that's why the, the Holy Family had to flee, was to avoid the killing by Herod's troops. Hmm. So one of the interesting things um, that I just heard from a, a scholar on a uh, part of our video series we had here at Holy Family is Jesus, as he grew up, having to carry the emotional weight of this legacy mm -hmm. that an entire town's generation was killed trying to kill him. Mm. And That's an interesting point. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I never thought of that before. Um, and that perhaps was part, perhaps one of those things that would keep him going towards fulfilling God's desires for him, knowing how many people had already suffered because of 
his existence. Yeah, that would be rough. Yeah. I would imagine that would uh, also cause some um, unease as he grows up, grew up, and, and especially as his purpose became a little bit more apparent, there would be potential uh, uh, men and women who had lost children mm. Yeah, that would have come face-to-face with him. Right. Right. That would be... Isn't that something? One would think that would be interesting to have chronicled in our gospels, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> there's but, only so much room, right? That would be that would be real tough. That would yeah. be real tough. Yeah. Um, anything else? Um, gosh, as always, so much. But we better <laughs> just quit quit while we're somewhat ahead. Are we? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but again, great passage to sit down. Read it through, read through the first few chapters of Matthew without stopping and Mm -hmm. see how both it flows and how it differs from Luke. And because only Matthew and Luke have stories of Jesus before Jesus is an adult, uh, what that says about the messages of, in this case, the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah, very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. This was your podcast for January 5th, 2020. We made it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, we welcome you to join us uh, at uh, um, 8 and 10 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, there's no adult forum. Uh, this, there's no youth kind of group. Uh, but uh, so so you get a nine o'clock reprieve. But uh, we, we we hope <laughs> the to, coffee will be on. The coffee will still be yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, lots of good conversation will happen informally. There you go. Uh, but uh, we hope you can join us one of those two times. If not, uh, you'll you're more than welcome to experience uh, portions of the service uh, on our uh, website or on uh, HFEC videos on YouTube or uh, even on this podcast. The 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 audio of the of the, uh, the homily at least will be uploaded. Uh, so, uh, if you're unable to, if you're traveling, uh, 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 travel safe, God bless. Uh, and, uh, we look forward to speaking with you next time. Uh, until then I'm Ben and I'm Bruce and we'll wish you a happy new year, hopefully in person. Happy new year. Bye-bye. <laughs>